Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends again. Welcome to episode 13 of season 2 of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I am your host, Kevin Brown. We talked a lot about Tom and about Jake's path into the quote-unquote Pettyverse. Um, In this second half, you're going to hear a lot more music. And thank the gods for that, because Jake is genuinely one of the most exciting artists I've listened to in the last decade or, or more. Um, you'll also get to hear Jake's answers to my quickfire questions and listen to him play his exceptional original Lines on the Road, as well as Room at the Top, for the very first time on, on piano. And that's a podcast exclusive. Honestly, it was an utter joy to sit and listen to this man sing and play, and I hope that it lifts your hearts as much as it did and still does lift mine. Let's get into it. This is um, a mud crutch song, but I figure I'll do it. Uh... Graduated high school when I bought a trailer in a little park by the side of the road. I could have had the army, I could have had the navy, and all I had to go for a mobile home. Yes, I gave it all to you, babe. All up to you in that trailer, too, babe. I kept up my interest, I kept up my payment, she never said goodbye, I never asked why, a man we used to dance to, Leonard Skinner, a boy you look so good at times. Yes, I gave it all to you, babe. But there wasn't room in that trailer for two, babe. Can't find a thing, babe, that gives me an answer that shines any light on the way things went. I get by on my own time. I ain't cut out for working. I 
always just a really fun one to play yeah super super cool okay so guitar keyboard harmonica please tell me you don't play drums you gotta you gotta give us something that you can't play surely not well at least um (laughs) i mean no no i really don't play drums i have uh i actually have uh uh, some pieces of a drum set uh someone was nice enough to give me they were getting rid of so i don't have uh a, a full set yet but eventually and uh I, I, I want to pick it up a little bit, but I haven't really yet. Okay. And my daughter, Emma, who is listening in her bedroom upstairs right now, wanted me to ask you, do you play ukulele? Because she is learning ukulele. Uh, I actually, I, I don't play the ukulele. Uh, I have before. I, there's a, uh, in Guitar Center, when I, I used to go a, a lot just to hang out, there was always like a, a rack of ukuleles, and then on the side had some chord shapes. And so yeah. I, I know enough, I think, about guitar where I could figure it out. So I, I used to sit there and play a little bit, but I don't, if you handed me one, I, I would have to take a breather, take 10 minutes or just yeah. kind of refresh myself on it. So no, not really, but okay. well, I, I, I was to learn well, it's, if, it's, I ever, it's, if I want to break out man who loves woman or something, I need it. You know? There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a great sounding instrument. I really like it. It's with the nylon strings. It sounds really, really cool when it's played well. And it really is yeah. just the, it's the bottom four strings. I think what three, if you bar chorded the, the third fret, I think that's what the, mm-hmm. that's what the, what the tuning is. So, yeah. Um, okay, we should talk a little bit, um, as we're on your feed, we should talk a little bit about your music too, because I would like my listeners to be exposed to some of your music. So um, I did want to say about the first album, and again, I told you this last time, that I'm genuinely a, a huge fan of that album. I think as a hobbyist songwriter myself, you know, to watch a teenager write the way you do is it's exciting, it's inspirational, um, and at the same time, slightly infuriating um, in a good way. Uh, but what I found remarkable about the album overall is that again despite your age you have a very good feel for writing about the world and you don't fall into that trap of you know trying to write schmaltzy love songs you're looking at more abstract sort of broad topics and writing about them with a lightness of touch that frankly a lot of seasoned songwriters don't manage so do you think that 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 sort of um sense you have of, of those types of themes and being able to write in that way comes from immersing yourself in the music of Tom Petty and Jackson Brown and Springsteen and John Prine and those artists and John Hyatt. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to have, you know, the resources like the internet to, to uh, surround myself with such great songwriters for so long. Uh, and I, I do think that's really where it comes from. I, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm, the negative of that is I'm incredibly hard on myself. Right. I'm like, ah, oh, but this isn't a Tom Petty song. This doesn't, you know, this this doesn't sound like Jackson could have wrote it or whatever. Uh, and so, obviously, that in a lot of ways is very unproductive. Uh, right. You know, first of all, because you know, Jackson Brown writes the Jackson Brown song, so I shouldn't be trying to. But uh, you know, in the other sense of just like, you know, I am, I think, very, very hard on myself based on uh, on trying to make, trying to get the songs at least a little bit to say something. Yeah, it doesn't have to be some sort of, you know, solve world peace attempt. But you know, you know, as yeah. long as I, I try my best to stay away from songs that just say nothing, and I, I think that's, you know, that's what Tom was so good at is just, and this is something I've been really trying to work on, is he's he was able to say so much with so little, 
and you know, looking at my different influences uh, that that who I really love, I'm a huge Jackson Brown fan, and his yeah. songs are written so profoundly, and he says so many amazing things and has so many amazing themes. But he writes those songs and he uses those with an incredible vocabulary and an incredible way of kind of stringing together these like long fading lines you know the best example of that is like uh the song sky blue and black such a great song but you know in the calling out to one another of the lovers up and down the strand and the sound you know it's like such a yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that is so great and I've, I've been able to or i've tried to at least get that type of technique but i've always just been so impressed with the way tom was able to say so much with what two, three syllables? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Something like that, you know. See those fault lines. That's the line, you know. Yeah. Laid out like land, you know. He's just he's able to do that in such a simple way, and that's something that is incredibly rare, I think yeah. at least. And it, you know, it makes uh, I forgot who said it, but uh, someone once said it resonated with me. Like, you know, the the music snobs. A lot of them might say, "Oh well, anyone could play Tom Petty songs," but no yeah. one could write Tom Petty songs. No, you know. I mean, well, there's nuances in there anyway, you know, so I yeah. don't necessarily think that's true. But in terms of his actual writing, it, it sounds like as a songwriter, it's, you know, it's infuriating because you think, oh, that's a simple song. I could write a song <laughs> that's simple like that. It's just it's just A, B, A, B rhyme scheme. The yeah. Rhymes are pretty close. There's not even like crazy. All right. And then you sit down at a blank page and you're like, how did he do that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a magic trick. It really is. It really is. It- and again, going back to that simplicity and going back to what you said about, oh, that's easy. It's People used to do the same with the Beatles. Oh, that's easy to play. Okay, well, you go try and play it like George played it. You try and play that drum part like Steve Ferroni plays it. Fault Lines is a great example of that. Trying to get that bossa nova rhythm on that ride is it's killer, man, and getting, getting the feel just right. You know, they're not as simple as they sound. People, And that's that's lay people who course, would say that. Yeah. Certainly musicians would never say that, right? So, um and so you said, like, you obviously you wrote all the songs yourself for this album um, and recorded it yourself. So that process of, of recording was, I think, born out of the necessity because of the pandemic. So was that something that you were interested in learning anyway, the sort of the studio craft and learning how to record and learning how to, you know, get your vocals and, and compress things and, and mix things into different channels? Or was that something that was like a bit of a, a daunting task that you, that, that was, was, it, was it overwhelming at all? Or what, what was that process like for you? Yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, I, it was, I, I think, incredibly productive use of time, uh, not just to to produce something, but also just to learn how you know, you know learn how and but not only in the technical side, but even just in my playing and writing. Right. I'm writing my second album now, and I'm writing it. I think it's going to be much easier to arrange. I'm not. I can't really tell you why. I'm not sure why, but just the way that those first songs were written, I had to really sit down and be like, all right, this is going to be a disaster. How am I going to turn this into what I want it to sound like? Yeah. And especially in the beginning, it, it was kind of a disaster, but I got there. Um, and so it was a very daunting task, but I'm very glad I did it. Uh, the second album that I want to release, uh, I don't have much details about how it's going to be recorded or whatever, but I'd like it to be in the studio with the full band. Right. Uh, and so in that case, if it's being produced by you know, uh, a studio engineer or something like that. I'm not going to lie. I kind of look forward to being able to like go in and listen as yeah. opposed to, you know, I always had, I had such a great time until I didn't on this album. And right. it wasn't like a, a, a definite, but it was like every day I really, I would pretty much work on it from like 12 and or like 10 in the morning to 
three in the morning or something like that. Like it was like all the time. And so once the clock would hit like midnight or something, I wouldn't stop for three hours, but I wish I'd stopped three hours ago, you know, because it's, oh my God, this song again. So it was incredibly fun 98% of the time. Sometimes yeah. it was very frustrating, but I'm so glad I did it. Uh, and it, and I think I learned a lot <laughs> as a musician and as a producer and things like that. Do you think that, um, obviously, I, well, I would I say obviously, I imagine that a few of those songs from that first album were definitely written with a full band arrangement in mind. And I think because you, the first time you posted down the line, that was on guitar. That was on electric guitar, right? Yeah. I think your first video. So was that sort of the intent was it was going to be a full a full band arrangement? And then just that, well, you know, what, I'm going to have to rearrange these and strip them down and just play them acoustic. Well, it's really interesting, you know, for the most part, the the songs on Down the Line were not written for an album. Okay. They were just written. I liked to songwrite. I wasn't very good at it when I started. I started pretty much as soon as I learned how to how to play. Uh, and I just kind of continued that until I thought I had enough material and I was old enough to put out. And, and still, you know, I, I listen back to it and think, okay, my voice is higher than it was now. And, and that's true <laughs> almost consistently almost every single song that's on that album is I play now a whole step lower or something like that. Uh, but they were not necessarily written for an album. And so it was, a, it was a daunting task to kind of get all of them to fit under the same sound that I wanted. Um, Goodbye to the end of the world, for example, was kind of written with that sound in mind. Right. So I was able to use that. That was pretty much exactly how I envisioned it. Uh, but like Enigma man was not like that was like I, I mean I've never played it with a drummer but I always heard drums behind me maybe yeah. that's my own you know weird delusions but you know it, when I wrote it that's that's how it sounded um, and so yeah down the line the song was originally electric and, and two I think my influences changed from the time it was written to the time it was recorded anyway so I can't t- you know I, I don't remember off the top of my head you know what exactly I was listening to when that first electric arrangement came out but chances are it was someone that would play it on electric and then by the time i recorded it i had been listening a ton to jackson brown who like would play that as opposed to like a big electric thing probably so it all kind of depended on what i was listening to at the time but it was not written for it was not written to be a cohesive cohesive album it was just written because i love to write yeah and then it kind of had to find its way to be an album and so this second one is, is a different approach of course because i'm kind of writing i have like eight or nine songs that i definitely want on the album and like a thousand others that like maybe you know yeah. so i have to kind of go back and edit them but i think they all kind of follow a similar theme and, and a similar sound that i don't know what that sound is yet but i know that they're yeah. all similar i can't put my i can't place it but i'm hoping they'll all fall into it easily well, I think that once you get into a studio with a group of musicians too, sometimes that changes it, right? You see the heartbreakers, whenever you see the studio takes of them, the way a drummer plays a certain rhythm might change. It's going to, well, it is going to change the way the bass player plays a certain phrase or vice versa. Or if a guitarist leaves a space that the keyboard player, Ben Mont, can come in and fill in, that's going to change as well. So once you start interacting with other musicians, you might have the idea of how it's all sort of scaled out and mapped out. But someone's going to play something that be like, oh, wait a minute. No, that's the hook. That's what we need to use now, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. You know, I don't have much experience. Um, you, you know, I play with bands a lot. I'm, I, you know, I, I know, you know, what that's like, but yeah. I generally don't play originals with them as much um, because I don't have a band of my own. I have yeah. 
a lot of very talented musicians I'm lucky enough to be connected with that when I need a band, they're hiring for a band or whatever the gig, I can bring them together, but they either have their own projects or they have day jobs or something like that. So it's easy for me to just shoot out a Google Drive doc of links to right. all of the songs they want to play that are ready or full band arrangements they just learned. So I don't have much experience with kind of trying to corral five or six other musicians yeah. and teach them how it should be played based on what I hear and then have them play it how they think it should be played and then kind of finding that ground. So I'm really excited to kind of figure that out, hopefully within the next, maybe over the summer, the next few months. Uh, that's going to be my next you know, thing that I'm excited to learn. Yeah, for sure. Just, just remember that you need a band leader. Not everything, yeah. can be, not everything can be a democracy. Someone has to have the last word, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so if it's your song, you get the last word, I would say. Um, I'll try my, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm hoping for, you know. <laughs> um, so some of the songs on the album, and again, my listeners, I would really encourage you to go to Jake's website and uh, or stream down the line, but definitely go buy it. Um, go buy the CD um, or go support him by buying merch or anything you can do. But some of the songs on the album, um, a couple of them that I really, really kind of latched onto, well, down the line is such a great opening track, you know, and it's, it's, it's one that it sticks in your head. And I find myself humming it as I'm doing housework or it's one that I'll put on if I'm sort of saying, oh, you should listen to this guy. That's the song I'll send because it's the, it's the really accessible, you know, radio friendly it's the one that's got the, the big hook in the chorus and everything else but um i don't know i talked to you about this before um the song trying again has uh, the lyric you keep moving on but you know you're just a quitter driving along chasing the sun not everything in life has to be so bitter but you'll hate yourself in the long run and as i said to you before that is a seriously deep and very dark lyric for a young man <laughs> to write so where the hell did that come from <laughs> uh it's funny uh trying again i think I don't remember exactly, but either that or Hometown was the first song or the earliest song written that's on that album. So okay. it, it had to have come about when I was maybe 12, something like that, uh, 11 or 12, maybe 13. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was kind of in a different iteration than it is now. But uh, that line kind of came through. It was, it was a later edition. The first song I ever wrote was called Chasing the Sun. Okay. And it was other than I guess that Christmas song I talked about earlier, but I don't count that, you know. Um, but uh, it was kind of about opening up and being excited for a new adventure and chasing the sun. It's like this amazing experience, and you're gonna get to your dreams. And like it was yeah. kind of how a nine year old I guess would write a song, you know. And chasing the sun was the chorus. It was, uh, you know, I'm chasing the sun. It's just begun. Like that yeah. was like the thing. Um, and then you know, I shelved it because that wasn't what I was, you know, it's not how I want to represent myself just with that song as opposed to the ones I had been writing. And then I was trying to find kind of tweaking that song a little bit. And for whatever reason, it, it just popped my head again. And in my older, uh, you know, again, I guess I was nine when I wrote Chasing the Sun. I was 16 <laughs> when I was trying to fix Trying Again. Trying Again was always a, I thought, a pretty good song. But when I, I wanted it on the album really bad. But there were three songs I thought of the 12 that were just weak links. Okay. One of them was Trying Again. One of them was called Losing Time, which I ended up cutting completely from the album. And the other was called Part-Time Ghost Town, which I also ended up cutting completely from the album. But okay. there was just something about Trying Again that made me really want to just take the time to work it out. So I pretty much rewrote it from scratch, identical because for whatever reason, putting the pen to paper again kind of jogs my memory on, on my thought process. And I just started thinking, 
you know, some, I guess, five years later, maybe chasing the sun isn't as hopeful as it sounds because you're never going to catch the sun, you yeah. know? Uh, so then I'm starting to think, well, maybe when I was nine, I imagined like, you know, sprinting to a goal and it was such a visual goal. You could see it. It's huge up there and it's so, yeah. such an attainable. And then when I was 16, I'm like, well, it's more a little bit like treading water because <laughs> no matter where you go, you're still equally far from the sun. <laughs> you know, and, and you can't get closer. So, you know, maybe that's not a great goal to have. So then looking through it in that lens, which is a more bitter lens anyway, uh, very, I guess, glass half empty. If you're, you know, of the chasing the sun metaphor, I kind of took the negative side of it because right. I, I guess you could flip it either way. I was just trying to think that really fit the character in trying again, I thought. He keeps... On one, you know, a lot of people say new beginnings are great, but that sounds kind of about like, yeah, new beginnings are great, but at some point, you kind of just have to deal with what you've already started. And yeah. I thought chasing the sun was a great. He's like looking for something, but you really got to focus on what's here instead of what you're never going to catch, which is out there. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, and again, one of the other one of the other lyrics on the song that I absolutely love. Probably I, my, my, my favorite on the album is um, "Hold On To It Tight." That song overall seems to be sort of a, a reminder to yourself not to get carried away. It's got that kind of feel of "Don't get ahead of yourself, stay grounded." You know, just keep focused on what you're doing. And then, so that line in there: "The heavier your crown gets, the easier it'll fall off your head." Again, just it's just a really insightful. It's a Jackson Brown, Tom Petty line. It's got that. It's that thing you can hang a whole song around that. So I wanted to ask you. With those types of songs, what comes first for you? How do you write? Is it the lyrics come first? Does melody come first? Or do you just sit in with a, a, a chord pattern? What's your process for writing songs? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on the song, but almost always the first thing that comes is a single line. Okay. Sometimes that ends up in the song. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but that is a trick. Uh, I was talking to uh, Tom's brother, Bruce, and he said Tom always had a notebook with him. And he'd yep. write down interesting things people said or he thought. Um, so I have a little notes app in my phone that I do that with. So, you know, sometimes the lightning just strikes and you have to write the song immediately and, and you like wake up with an epiphany. But that doesn't really happen for me. And no. uh, actually, it was interesting. Um, I, I watched an interview with Jackson Brown when he was promoting this album. And he was, I think, donating some handwritten lyrics to some museum or something like that. And he goes... You know, with me, like, I would sit down and write a song and I'd write a song. I'm not one of those musicians. I'm going to, I can't give you crumpled napkins with <laughs> take it easy written on it. Cause, like, I don't think like that. It just doesn't come to me like that. And yeah. I, that really resonated with me. Cause it's pretty rare I'm like racing down to get a pen to write an idea I had. Almost always I say, okay, I should write a song now. And then I sit down and I scroll through this list of all these things that I think would make a good song. Yeah. I pick a line from that. And then usually from that, I'll start, okay, would this be in a happy song? Would this be in a sad song? Would this be in a upbeat song? Whatever. That's when I, then I do a melody yeah. and then I make a verse, a chorus. And so usually in terms of the actual songwriting, a melody or chords comes first and then lyrics. But usually that melody is inspired by one line that is, that is taken from someone said to me months ago or I thought of a year and a half ago or something like that. And yeah. so for... Hold on to it tight. It was that line. Heavier your current gets, easier it falls on your head, uh, off your head. Um, and then I, I started 
just writing that and I was found a way build to out from there. Yeah. Super cool, man. Yeah. And I like that, you know, there's the song off off the album that I'm reviewing at the moment. Um oh god, which which song is it now? Uh I'm trying to think. Too much ain't enough. Mm-hmm. That was a that was same thing, like you said, Tom would always have a notebook with him and he was in New York and he just saw that spray painted on the side of a building. And same thing, wrote it down. And then I think it was on the plane back, wrote the whole song on the plane lyrically and sort of had, obviously would have had a melody in his head, but just wrote that and built that out from that central idea. So I think it's a great way to do it, right? If you can just, if you, cause if you can always, you need a hook in a song, you need to find the hook. And if you can build out, if you've got the hook to start with, well, then you're off to a winner, right? If you, Cause there's nothing worse than writing a verse and having no idea where it goes. And I think every songwriter has got a million one verse songs that you've no idea what to do with it because you've just got a verse. And it's like, well, yeah. now I wrote a verse, but I can't really, that's not a song. So <laughs> yeah. The worst one verse song I ever wrote was ended up being lines on the road. Really? It was that song was a disaster. <laughs> like I cannot explain to the, the stress I went through with that song. Cause <laughs> you know, for the most part, Obviously, every song is, has gone through numerous rewrites and sit-downs and playthroughs and, you know, you can't even count. But for the most part, the shell of the song is there in, like, one sitting, maybe two. I write, right. I tend to write late at night, so lately it's been more like two sittings because I get tired at, like, 11.30. I go to right. bed and I wake up and I finish it. But, like, hold on, hold on to the toy, for example. I started with that melody and I had some form of all of those lyrics within 20 minutes. And then I was able okay. to like sit down the next day, and then I put it away for a month. I come back and see if I still like it. But yeah. lines on the road here. I'll, I'll grab a guitar real quick. Yeah, you got. Just give like kind of a a visual. Uh, I I had really loved. I've been listening, and I realized so many songs use um, use walk downs. You know. Yep. So I wanted to do something that walked up, and so that's what I came up with. Was that. then I started writing Hypnotized by Lines on the Road. And f- so this was like probably May. I needed two songs for my album because right. I cut those two I mentioned before. So I yeah. run, f- wrote Frontier Time in like a half hour. It was great. Thank God. You know, I, I finally have that song. And then I was like, this one has potential, but I don't know. And it always w- just went, uh, well, I'm hypnotized by the lines rushing by on the road. Keeping time in songs and it's been so long And I'm thinking of the stories I've been told And then I like had nothing right. Just nothing uh, And then maybe June, a month goes by And then I get the now worried about figuring And you know, whatever yeah. And then just nothing And then so it took me until August That I sat down and I said, okay Let's rewrite that first verse Because it's too wordy Right. Even even for me, who was listening to like Jackson and Bruce at the time, <laughs> and they try to fit as many syllables as they can, even for that. So I got rid of like the time of songs, and it's been so long, and I'm thinking of the stories I've been told. Like it just it sounded like a Dr. Seuss book to me. Like it didn't <laughs> it didn't say any it didn't say enough for as many syllables as I was trying to jam in. So uh, that's where the time and songs feeling the highway below, and you know, then once that kind of shifted, that kind of like it almost I could almost hear like it click. Like those two, you know, sentence fragments kind of clicked, and yeah. then the rest of the song came relatively easy. But that was a one verse song, and I was mad because personally, I thought it was such a good one verse song. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I have plenty of one verse songs that I think have potential that I want to continue. But that was one that I was like, oh no, this is like what this could be the single, 
if I, if only I could write more than 15 seconds of it. So that was very frustrating, <laughs> but that was a one-verse one song for way, way too long. So you want to hear? I'll, I'll play that one. Yeah, play that one. That would be great, yeah. I'll play the version I have now for it, though, without a thousand words. Somehow it was 15 seconds, but it still had more words than the final <laughs> cut. <laughs> I'm hypnotized by the lines rushing by on a roll Keeping time in song Feeling the highway below Not worried about figuring out my life No one ever seems to make it out alive No, I'm just seeing how long I can survive Well, the news reports hell, cause that's what sells on the TV. I tuned it out so long ago, it just wasn't fooling me. Well, it's the same sad story told a different way to fill time between the commercials they play. Well, I'd rather be hypnotized by the lines on a got something to share but I just don't care what they're thinking Whether their ideas are bad or even worse it just depends on what they're drinking they'll tell you how to live but they don't have a clue and they'll say they know it better than you say life's so short when it's the longest thing they ever do So the world goes fast asleep The cars train off the road Until it's just a highway And me I watch a line open road As I drive Wonder where I'm gonna ride Not worried about figuring out my life No one ever seems to make it out alive
Well, I'm hypnotized by the lines rushing by on the road. Absolutely fabulous, man. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, so good. And I would say, to, again, to my listeners, I mean, if you're not familiar with, with Jake's original stuff, the whole album is so cohesive and there's no drop in the quality of the songwriting. It's really, really strong throughout. And I know that you'll enjoy it. If you love Tom Petty and if you like, you know, other influences of, of uh, Jake's like Jackson Brown and John Knight, you will love this album. I guarantee it. Um, and you won't regret listening to it. And it just so much. It means a lot. And bring it, bringing that up, I mean, we, we talk about Jackson Brown a lot. And I know I'm not the first person to say this, and I'm probably not the first person to say this to your face. But, and I said this last time, I think that I do get a lot of that. Your phrasing and the way that you, when you choose to push and when you choose to back things off, I get a lot of it. There's a lot of Jackson Brown in there, especially sort of running on empty, that era where, you know, and um, the loadouts and stuff like that. It's, it's got that real charisma to the way you sing it. And someone had just posted while you were playing there on, on Facebook that your voice just keeps getting stronger. And I think, yeah, month on month, year on year, it seems that you're just you're only getting better as a vocalist, technically, and in terms of sort of the way you emote. So we're all looking forward to seeing where that goes in the next couple of years, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. People have said that about uh, my voice for well longer than I've even listened to Jackson. So when <laughs> I started to really start to listen, I think that that really also that started to come to be pretty quick. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I really got into Jackson because uh, 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 Dana Petty had requested I learn Barricades of Heaven, which is a great song that I hadn't heard. Yeah. That whole Looking East, I'm Alive era was foreign to me. I really only knew Doctor My Eyes Running on Empty, Loadout. Yeah. You know, so when I re- when I heard that, like it kind of clicked that he was a guy that, you know, everyone always said I would like and maybe it was out of spite I'd never really listened to him. But when, <laughs> you know, when Dana asked you to learn a song, you have to. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, I learned it and I like immediately fell in love with the songwriting, and so I went back and like listened to everything I could, and so now I'm a huge fan. But that that's you know really kind of how it came to be. But uh, you know, it, it's an honor to be able to you know listen to these songwriters you know so closely through the yeah. you know through all the avenues we can now you know all these videos. And... Yeah, and as bad as bad as the online world can be, it has exposed us to to these things. And same thing, like I I, like I told you last time, Barricades of Heaven was my. That was my way into Jackson Brown. There's a, a, a brilliant, brilliant singer-songwriter, and he's kind of our Jackson Brown, actually, in Canada. His name is Jay Semko. Well worth checking out. I think you'd like his music. Um, mm-hmm. Who posted on his Facebook feed, uh, Barricades of Heaven. And so, amazingly, that was I think that was maybe March of last year, I had never heard of Jackson Brown. I'm 48 years old now. I'd never heard of Jackson Brown. No. So I straight up, I'm listening to him. I'm like, this is phenomenal. I love this guy. I wonder if he's been around very long. And so I messaged my buddy, my, my musician buddy. I'm like, have you ever heard of Jackson Brown? It's like, yeah, yeah. Of course yeah. I've heard of Jackson Brown. I was like, oh, I really like him. Has he got much? He's like, yeah, dude, he's been around since like the early 70s. Like, Where have you been? You know, he wrote Take It Easy and he wrote, you know, all these different songs to different people. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I get that. That's the title. I wanted to wrap up and i was telling you about this before we came online when we were backstage mm-hmm. um i've got 10 quick fire questions for you and then maybe i'll get you to play another tom Petty song for us to lead us out sure um, sounds good and so, if there's any, i'll say before you start those yeah. if there's any special tom petty songs you'd like to hear uh you know whether you do or anyone yeah. watching does uh let me know this is if you want to make a request or something you know 
Uh, yeah, we'll throw, we'll throw, we should, I should say, I totally forgot about that. Thanks, uh, thanks, uh, Jake. If you have requests for Jake, we can, we can probably take one or two songs at the end because I'd love to hear a couple of songs. And I will throw that open to the listeners and the, and the viewers um, because I know that you've been patient. I get this is, this is just fun for me and I get to be part of it, but you're just kind of sitting watching. So be interactive and let the audience get engaged and we'll let the, the audience pick the two songs, maybe. Hey, we'll do that. Sure. Yeah. So think yeah. about that while we're doing these uh, questions. Yeah. So one, we've the first question we've already kind of covered. Um, so favorite Tom Petty album, if you can pick one. So I think you said Wildflowers. So is that yeah, the one you? If, it's, if we're stick going on? like rapid fire, first thing that comes to mind, and I don't have time for my long winded answer about how there's great <laughs> stuff about everyone, I'll just say Wildflowers. Okay. Mud Crutch or Travel Mulberries? I know these are horrible questions. <laughs> Look, personally, I. I have enjoy. I play more and listen more to the songs that Mudcrutch has released. Right. However, I mean, they're the Traveling Wilburys, right? So I mean, <laughs> I can't say anything bad about them. Their songs are yeah. awesome. You know, I, I think, and I know I'm beginning a classic long-winded answer that it is not lended to this format. But no, go, go. I, I think so much of the fun of the Traveling Wilburys is that it's these. You know, it's all of the best at what they do in a room together doing it. Yep. And you could tell they were just having such a great time. They weren't taking themselves too seriously. And so it, they didn't have any, you know, what does George Harrison have to prove to anyone? <laughs> right. I mean, Orbison or whoever, none of them. Know, yeah. They're any all of those guys. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. they just had like, it seems like they just had the best time ever. And yeah. so I love listening to them having fun, but in terms of like, you know, playing songs and listening to songs, I think I gravitate more towards Mudcrutch, but that's a very yeah. tough decision. But I think too, though, there's a, an absolute parallel with Mudcrutch in that sense that Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, you know, if you think about a band like Kiss, who are always very financially aware of how to market themselves and how to do this and how to do that and revenue streams and those kinds of things, Tom Petty doesn't need to reform Mudcrutch. He's got exactly. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He does that because he wants to play those songs with his friends again and just go do something that's not the Heartbreakers and be able to play smaller venues and be able to connect. That's just the coolest thing. And to me, that's that speaks volumes about him as a person as well as a musician, is that mm -hmm. it's like it's about the music and it's about being with my friends and playing. Yeah, we're going to get paid for it, and that's great, and it affords you a lifestyle that you can afford to do, you know, give you a lot of privilege. Yeah. But it's about the music. It's about playing those songs with your friends on stage in front of people and them enjoying it. And that's just, that's everything to me. And that, I think that's one of the reasons why Tom Petty is loved more than most other beloved artists. Beyond the music, it's just that sense that he was absolutely authentic in every single thing he did. Yes, totally. We are in agreement then. Excellent. <laughs> okay. So question three, I'm going to have to modify a little bit because you have played on stage with the Heartbreakers. But I'm going to throw this back. Let's imagine it was when Tom was still alive and the Heartbreakers are still touring. If you could join the entire Heartbreakers at a Heartbreakers gig on stage for one song, what song would you pick and what instrument would you play? Or would you sing? Well, I'd play guitar. Um, okay. You know, Mike is a you know absolute fantastic role model you know for guitar so to be up there on stage with him watching up close is amazing and i think i have enough enough foundation on guitar to carry myself all right you know yeah. on, on, you know with with him I, I think you know i mean obviously i think i could it'd be so fun to like improvise a solo with him Whereas yeah. piano, like, I'm not good enough at piano to play next to Ben Mont. Are you crazy? You know what I mean? Like, just, and that's personal. That's not saying that, that's just saying that personally, I think I could handle myself 
with the Heartbreakers on guitar better than I could piano. Just so more I confidence. say guitar. Um, well, song is a tough one. I, you know, part of me, part of me wants to say like, you know, crawling back to you or something like that, just because I love it. But I, you know, part of me wants to say like shadow people. <laughs> Just so oh, I nice. can have like a giant, long, drawn-out solo with the Heartbreakers, because that's what I want to do, you know. So, yeah, okay. more, more so, stage time too. That's a, that's a smart answer on multiple levels because it gets you get to be on stage longer with the Heartbreakers too. That's a good exactly, answer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if, why go on for four minutes when you can nine? Okay. So then, like, it's good to be King or Melinda or something like. I'll say it's good to be King. Right on, man. Yeah, great song too. Um, who would be, again, imagining that the Heartbreakers are still together and Tom's still with them, who would be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty concert? Who would you love to see live before them? Well, this guy did open for uh, Tom Petty, and I was not alive for it, which pissed me off, but Jackson Brown. What, which tour was that that he opened? Do you know? I think 2002. Oh, man, yeah, that would have been so good. That would have been so good because yeah, he'd have had Looking East because he could have played some of the tracks. I love that album, Looking yeah, East. So that would that have been... was the uh, the Naked Ride Home had just come out. Okay. So I think he did a big like Australian-Japan tour. And then when he came back to the States, I think, in two, that was 2001. And then 2002, I think uh, he, he – I don't know if – I don't think he did a long stretch with them. Yeah, but I, I know just he a few days. A little bit. Um, I saw Steve Winwood open and Joe Walsh open. <laughs> which yeah. like really can't get better than that. So, I mean, not that I'm saying like I missed out on great openers <laughs> by not yeah. being alive when Jackson, cause they had plenty of amazing openers, but yeah, I'd, I'd go, I'd go Jackson. I think he would just be the, I, you know, I think he's such on par with yeah. that type of show, you know? And I, I think it just be, would be so cool. I totally agree. I'm, I'm, I'm totally Actually, on board. Wait, no, that. I'm oh, going to be very self-centered and say me, because I would love to open for the Heartbreakers. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Sorry, Jackson. And would someone come out and guest? Would someone come? You'd get someone out to guest yeah, on a song with you. Me and I would open for Jackson, and Jackson <laughs> would open for the Heartbreakers because he needs people to be warmed up too. Okay, there you go. Yeah, that, that, that's where I'll go with. <laughs> we're building a good set. We're building a good um, a good festival set here. This is good. Yes, this is exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so who's your favorite band member other than Tom? I'm really putting you on the spot tonight. <laughs> yeah. Mm, that, hmm. Well, that's true. Yeah, Mike. Mike sent me this guitar. Yeah. And when I was in LA, I loved Ron's guitar, and I offered to buy it off him, and he liked it too. So he said no, <laughs> even though I I tried like for three days in a row to let to let me. I said like any price you want, I'll take home this guitar. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I like this guitar too much, so. I don't have Ron's guitar, but I do have Mike's, so I'll go with Mike just because of that. That's awesome. Um, so if you're watching Ron and you still play that Sunburst Rust, just know, hey, it's here. You know, it, it could be here. You never know. You might have a clear out one day like Mike did, right? Maybe that'll be on yeah. the chopping block one day. You Maybe. never know. Every once in a while, I still drop him a text like, hey, you still playing that, uh, <laughs> still playing that guitar? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Guitars and guitars, man, it's a special relationship. There's some guitars that people will just never get rid of, right? It just mm-hmm. plays a certain way. It's not the same with keyboards, and like uh, drums are the same. They're, you know, but Keyboards, are, I think, are a little bit different, but guitars, there's something about it. There's something about the feel of it and the, the aesthetic of it, right, that guitars just get really attached to. Yeah. It's funny for, um, you know, I'm still very early in the process, but for college applications, uh, I applied most 
mostly local to New Jersey, New York area, but yeah. uh, I did apply to uh, the uh, University of California in San Diego. Uh, so if I end up going there, he better uh, he better be prepared that every day he'll get like a little <laughs> call. You know, I'm only a couple blocks down if you want to want me to drive over and get that guitar. You know, <laughs> whatever, you know. I know I'm paying for college tuition, but, you know. We'll see Eventually he'll give in. Just beats him down relentlessly. Exactly, yeah. Jeez. Just take, maybe, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm over there, I could just have it on weekends, you know. <laughs> bring it back, you know. I'll rent it. A child share agreement, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, if you could see any Tom, Pen- any Tom Petty concert from history, which one would you see? I know, and I know, I know my answer for this one. I've got a very clear answer for this one, so I'm kind of curious, almost curious what people say. Let's see. Well, see, I, there's like two. It's like the two sides of a coin pulling at me. Because on one hand, you know, I was like, I saw the Hypnotic Eye tour and the 40th anniversary tour. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen any, well, every tour, but like, so part of me is getting nostalgic and really missing being able to go see like that era of Tom Petty, like with the beard and like the, you know, yeah. so part of me is going to say that just to go back and relive the 40th anniversary concert, something like that. But the other part's going like, but come on, you already, you already saw that. See him, see him at the uh, Southern accents tour. Right. When he's like screaming and running around stage playing rebels and like, you know, sweating. So, you know, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll call it even, and I'll say I'll see a tour. Mm. But you know what? I'm second my guess, second guessing myself now. I'll go. You know, I'll go. Can't go wrong. The 2006 Gainesville concert. Safe answer, but oh. that's what I'll say. Great show, great and a great choice. Okay, Walls Circus. I'm going to leave mine. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till because I think on the either the 50th or the 100th episode. I'm going to reveal my answers to these questions just as a tease. Oh, all right. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. So, so you will find out later. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you offline. I'll tell you offline. That's what I'll do. Um, so Walls Circus or Walls number three, which version is better? Walls three, I think. Uh, well, I'm a Walls two guy. Okay. You know, I like that stripped down, you know, uh, version. I don't know. Was it called Walls two or maybe it was, was it two or three? Walls? Oh, no. Maybe I'm mixing up Angel Dream. I, I don't remember what it was called. There's there's a stripped down, very acoustic version. Maybe okay, it was yeah, a live yeah. anthology, and it was just Walls Live. I'm not sure what it's called. Okay. Uh, but out of those two, I think I'll go. So uh, above all, I like the acoustic slowed down version. I think that is yeah. very. That's how that song should be played. But Agreed. of unless I'm misremembering of Circus and Three, I think I'll go Circus, just because I love how he's uh, singing at the end. Okay. Like when they when they're kind of echoing that, you know, heart, yeah. heart, you know, like like when they do stuff yeah. like that, and and that, uh, I think when when you're playing it at that speed, because you know the acoustic version is very slowed down. Yeah. Both of them are a relatively similar speed, I think, if I'm remembering it correctly. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Like I I think I gravitate more towards that, like a. Uh, okay. Than like the uh, the. Really? So, so that, with, yeah. Okay. I'll go with Circus, but above Circus is the acoustic version the that's acoustic like version. slow okay. and drawn out, and I love it. Right on. Perfect. Um, if you could pick any artist to cover any Tom Petty song, who would it be and what song would they cover? That's a tough one. You know, I always enjoy hearing that. Um, that's what was so special about that virtual birthday show we did in 2020. Yes. 
uh, you know, hearing Jackson do the waiting, for example, was was so cool. Uh, wow, that one, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, <coughs> I'll go with, uh, I'll say, I want to hear John Hyatt. I, I think he could, let's see, I, I'm, I'm taking him to kind of narrow down my search. Yeah. I think he could, you know, he would play, uh, I, you know what, I'd like to hear, out of the box totally, because he wouldn't normally sing a song like this, I, Blue Sunday, I can hear, okay. I want to hear how he'd play that on guitar, because he's a really unique guitar player, he's such an amazing finger picker. Yeah, and I, I've seen John live ten times now, uh, and wow. I, I'd love to see how he'd, and, and it's been acoustic every time except one. Um, okay. So I'd love to see how he'd handle that orchestral arrangement. Because I know he could do it. Yeah. Because he's amazing at the way he arranges some of his old songs that are full band acoustic. So I'll say that. Um, that would be super cool, yeah. that, a song of that caliber that okay. he would play acoustic but was a very big uh, petty song. Right on, man. That's a great answer. I love that. Yeah, I think that just – and again, that picking style, that could really change the – the vibe of that whole song that would be really really interesting you should you should come up with an arrangement for it <laughs> i'll see what i can do do your best pseudo hyatt okay penultimate question what song do you most frequently recommend to people who don't know tom's music if you have to turn someone onto tom petty what's the song you're throwing out well when someone asks you know who is who's tom what what do they sing? You know, I, I say, you know, free fall and yeah. American girl won't back down. But, uh, my favorite, it's a shame cause it's not available. It's, it wasn't released. It's just a, a phone video. My favorite, I think all time Tom song is the, the slowed down version of dogs on the run from, Oh yes. From the troubadour, Mary minstrel. Yeah. And it, it's, it's such a shame cause it's like a, a shaky phone cam video. He's like, you get half a story in the beginning about Easter. I yeah. know what he was talking I know about. Exa- I know exactly which yeah. one you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and I could just I watched that video over and over and over. Um, so that's my favorite. I would always recommend that song. But, I'm, you know, I mean, the Southern Accents one is just okay to me. It doesn't stick out as, yeah. like, my favorite song ever. So I would go, my second favorite, kind of in that, and again, not that I have a clear favorite, Crawling Back to You, I've mentioned it a thousand times today, but... To me, that's just like the ideal Americana Tom classic. And I gravitate towards Americana with any artist I listen to. Um, you know, I find myself listening more to like Crawling Back to You stuff, you know, you know, caliber yeah. things. And I would a refugee yeah. caliber thing. It's just, you know, because I listen to John Hyatt and John Prine and things like that. And that's kind of in that vein. Well, it's got the immortal line in it, right? I'm so tired of being tired. Sure is. I mean, that's just, it's one of the greatest lines ever written in any song by anyone. Yeah. And incredible that it wasn't even for that song originally, right? Which is just, again, just shows the the mind at work. No, no, wait, that works here. This is the perfect line. So, yeah. Okay, your last question out of the 10 then is describe Tom Petty in three words. See, he would be really good at this because <laughs> of how he wrote songs. Um, I'll just say won't back down. Absolutely perfect. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful answer. I love it. Succinct and damned accurate, given all the times he stood up against the record industry and stood up for what he believed. And and even, like, you find out, you know, the more you dig into him, the more you learn about him, that he was not an activist, but he, 
when he believed in a cause, you know, when the, I think it was the, was it an oil company or uh, some company that John Scott had sort of rallied the community against, I think it was a highway or something coming through some protected lands. And he contacted, um, I think it was Jane and Tom, and they were on the front lines with John. And you never heard anything about it. Tom never sort of blew his own horn and said, I'm going out doing this or tried to rally the troops. He just went out on boots on the ground. And again, I just, I just love that sort of that sense of camaraderie. And I won't back down. I'm not going to take shit from anyone. And he never did. Exactly. Yeah. Right on, man. Okay. Well, let's um, do a couple songs. Let's see. I saw, you know, a couple of requests come in. What do you think though? I'll do as pretty much as many as you want. You know, you want me to do three, four, whatever, whatever works for you. Go Uh, for it. What do you want to hear? What do I want to hear now? Well, we did talk, and I don't know if you learned it. We did talk about candy. I'd love to, and I do, I, if you haven't learned that one yet, I really, I must insist that you do learn that one at some point because I want to hear that one. Um, That's a great song. I, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll put that up on Facebook. I don't know if I have all the words sitting up here. Yeah. Yet. Okay. Other than that, what about Kings Road? Do you know Kings Road? Or well, I'll tell you what. We've talked about it endlessly. What about crawling back to you? There you go. It's a great song, and I'm going to be super unprofessional and run to the bathroom real quick while you're playing, and I'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> Sounds good. It'd be funny if I said, no, I don't know that one either, <laughs> after hyping it up so much. Things I worry about 
So I hope you like that one. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Thank you. I saw another one in there for uh, uh, you and me. Uh, we talked about the last DJ a little bit before, so I'll yeah. do that one. Right on. can't promise you a lot, but you and me, the road ahead, I can't save you from yourself, you gotta want it, all that's left. That's always great. <laughs> we had a, a comment there. Um, still the hardest Tom tune to listen to since he left us. So I think that's quite poignant for uh, Kim Johnson to just commented on that there. 
For sure, I agree. Yeah, especially that clubhouse version with Benmont sitting there alone. You know, that's always uh, you know hard to watch. But haunting, yeah, absolutely. What else have we got in here that people have asked for? Something good coming? Or you got you and me? That's the same one. Won't bite down. Sure. Won't bite down. Yeah. Could do won't bite down. That's we should we should probably do um, one of the greatest hit songs, really, shouldn't we? That's right. Yeah, we, we we've covered Mud Crush and stuff like that. You know, stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll do we'll do. I'll do it on guitar. This one. Is the first song uh, I learned on guitar. There we no go. excuse if I start messing it up. It's an origin story. On guitar. It's <laughs> well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. I'm gonna stand my ground. It won't be turned around, and I'll keep this world from dragging me down. I'm gonna stand my ground, and I won't. Hey, baby There ain't no easy way out Hey, I will stand my ground And I won't back down Well, I know what's right And I got just one life and in a world that keeps on pushing me around But I stand my ground And I won't back down Hey, baby There ain't no easy way out Hey, I will stand my ground Absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> so we got a, uh, want me to do one more? I'm happy to. Yeah, a couple of options then. Um, either, I would say, Room at the Top or Wildflowers. So dealer's choice. I think those would both be great. I'll do Room at the Top. You know what? I'll try it on piano, though, which I don't think I've done before. <laughs> so I know how this will go as much as you. 
<laughs> An exclusive for the podcast. It's good. Yes. <laughs> top of the world alive I can see everything tonight I got a room where everyone can have a drink forget those things that went wrong
<laughs> so just let me get that straight. You've never done that one on piano before. Not to my knowledge. I mean, maybe there's, maybe in a live feed once, but I can't think of a time. So. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's always fun to try and figure it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, live in front of an audience. That's yeah, that takes balls, dude. Massive props. When, when there's no safety net, you know, it's funny <laughs> yeah. how the crowd gathers around anyone living life without a net. <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> okay, I think probably we should wrap up because that's a, that's a really good play, a really good song to sign off on. I think. For sure, so I said yeah. a few closing remarks from my end, and then I'll gotcha. let you wrap up from yours. So. Again, everyone, make sure you go listen to Jake's album. And there's a song on that album called Goodbye to the End of the World. And on that album, you sing, it'd be fun to see my name lit across some big mar- on some big marquee. And I think if you keep writing the quality of songs that you're doing, you keep playing with the, the, the sort of the auth- authenticity and passion that you do, uh, it's only a matter of time before all of us see your name above a big marquee. And I will definitely be first in line to buy tickets to come and see you wherever you're playing. means a lot. Thank you so much. Um, and I'd like to welcome Jake's uh, fans. If you want to follow me on Facebook or Instagram um, at the Tom Petty Project, uh, on Twitter at Tom Petty Project, um, and you can find me on YouTube as well. Um, you can come subscribe and listen to the uh, listen to the episodes that I put out with interviews with other people as well. I've got another fantastic guest lined up for season three, um, and I've got a uh, Gwen Jones is going to be joining me. Um, it's the official announcement for uh, the last episode of this season uh, coming up. So. Come talk to me on social media. I love talking about Tom Petty. Um, I love talking about Jake Thistle as well. So come engage with me and let's make this a lot of fun uh, as the the Tom Petty community always is. And I'll hand it to you to have the last word, Jake. Awesome. It means a lot. Thank you so much for having me, Uh, you know, to do do your, uh, I mean, it's it's such a fantastic idea. So I'm I'm very grateful to be a part of it. And this was so much fun. So thank you everyone for joining. Uh, This is a little bit of a different uh, format than most of my live feed. So it was incredibly fun to change it up. And this was such a great time. So thank you so much for being here. And uh, I can't wait to see everyone uh, soon, whether it's in person at a gig or uh, whether it's on one of the uh, next one of these live, live streams. So thank you so much and thank everyone to watch. So I really appreciate it. Okay, folks, that's a wrap for this one. Uh, I hope you're now as big a Jake Thistle fan as I am. Uh, this kid is crazy talented. Is also really nice um, and obviously very well brought up. Um, please support him in any way you can or every way you can. Go to his website, jakethistle.com, and buy merch. Um, if you Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And, of course, you can always find me on YouTube. So follow, like, and subscribe as applicable. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week with another very special guest and a very special human being who I love to her bones, Gwen Jones, who is the founder of the Tom Petty Fans Forever Facebook group. Bye-bye.